and I nearly fell off my chair. I just thought this guy is in Bexhill on sea, still a client now, he's 350 miles away from Penzance. And yet he wants to work with me. But for me, it really went nuts when the podcast began. And even then it's a slow snowball. It has been for me, but now we're at the point where it's anywhere from six to 10 new inquiries a month. And I can't cope with them all. You're listening to the Catching Clients podcast, where the smartest minds from the world of professional services and marketing come and share the strategies that they use to consistently attract and catch their ideal big fish clients so you can learn to do the same. So grab your gear and join me, Adam King, the captain at Think Like a Fish and creator of the client catching ecosystem, and let's go fishing. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Today, I'm talking to a very impressive individual. And this is someone who's combined his professional experience with, in his own words, a nerdy hobby. And he's turned it into something that's become a bit of a monster. So much so that today he has more clients asking to work with him and his firm than he can actually deal with. And as that's a problem that most of us who work with clients would almost certainly love to have, I'm super excited to be talking with my guest today, Pete Matthew. Pete's a 21-year veteran financial planner, and he's the managing director of Jackson's Wealth Management in Penzance, where he and his team focus on one simple goal, and that's to help his clients make sense of money. But while his expertise in financial planning is impressive, as a bit of a marketing geek, I, you know, I personally can't help but be inspired slightly more by the fact that on top of this, Pete's also an award-winning podcaster and video blogger. And when I say inspired, I actually mean a little bit intimidated because since he started shooting short explainer videos about money in 2010, Pete's gone on to record 290 podcast episodes that have had over 2 million downloads and recorded over 355 videos that have had almost 300,000 views. Seriously, anyone who thinks the world of financial planning is dull really needs to check out his Meaningful Money show. And when you do, you'll start to understand why he has more clients asking to work with him than he can deal with. As he's built, really, it's a thriving client-catching ecosystem that's an amazing example of what can happen when you commit to, be, you know, to building your own. Uh, now, Pete just started this before I ever came up with a name for it. So it's with real excitement, plus a little bit of a, te- a trepidation that I'm delighted to be, uh, to, to be able to welcome such an experienced podcaster and successful business owner onto the show. So, Pete, welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Adam, thank you so much for feeling extremely humbled and for God's sake, don't be intimidated. I'm just a fat guy in Penzance, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you need to know right at the top that so much of this stuff is more by luck than judgment, but we'll get into that. Okay. So, but thank you. That's a really warm and kind introduction. I appreciate it. Well, I, 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 I genuinely sort of, um, uh, seeing your stuff, I, I was so impressed with the way that you, and as you say, the way you've just got on with it and you've just started doing it and and I'm guessing that you started it without the expectation of what it would become, but just because you had a want and a desire to actually go out there and add some value to people around your expertise. Totally. And I'm glad you picked that up because back when I started shooting videos in 2009, back into 2009, so it's coming up 10 years, I don't, I'm not even sure if the phrase content marketing had been coined. And I certainly had no idea that that was what I was going to end up doing. Mm. Um, I quite often say, really, there were three things that came together that got me started. And the first was that um, I kind of wanted to do more than I could just do one-on-one with my clients. Financial planning 
when done right is an incredibly rewarding career because we can turn people's financial lives around and enable them to do what they want to do with their life because money really is an enabler if you get it right and it can be uh, a disabler if you get it wrong so it's a real privilege to be able to help our clients do that but once i had learned the power of financial planning i wanted to multiply that and amplify its reach more than i could ever do one-on-one you can probably tell I'm a northerner. I'm from Bradford in West Yorkshire originally, but I married a Cornish girl. So I now live 10 miles from Land's End. Um, and so I'm a long way from anywhere, right? So I wanted to be able to help more people than I could do face-to-face. Secondly, the second thing that sort of prompted me to get going was that a lot of people in different areas of my life told me I was good at explaining things. And so, uh, you know, my wife around the dinner table would, you know, and my kids would ask something and I'd explain it like, you know, mansplaining as dads do. And uh, Joe would just say, you know, I never would have put it like that. And that was the same at work and at the church that I was a part of and all this, these sort of different areas of my life. People said, you know, you're, you're good at explaining things, at simplifying, cutting through the noise and just getting to the salient points. And then if enough people tell you something, it starts to go in and you start to believe it. The third thing that happened was that I read a book called Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Now, Gary is sort of uh, internet royalty, uh, really a phenomenal marketing machine and business owner. Um, Very polarizing guy. Some people hate him. I uh, love him to death. I've never met him in the flesh, but when I do, I think I might just kiss him. Um, And his book, the premise of the book was, look, whatever your message is, there are now the platforms available, and this was 2009, to get that message out basically for free. And if your message is good and if you're consistent, people will show up and take note. And so I thought I'd have a go. And so I bought a little video camera, a little flip video camera. It's just on my bookshelf over there, actually about the size of a cigarette packet. Started shooting videos. And it was genuinely just to say, look, we don't teach money in schools. We don't teach it at university. And yet, you know, we teach people how to drive a car, but not how to use a credit card. Uh, And it seems perverse to me. So I wanted to explain, what is a pension? What is an ISA? Why would you have one over the other? What about life insurance if you've got kids and stuff like that? And just answer these questions in a simple way. And um, yeah, I often use the phrase, it's become a monster because it has, because I spent nearly two and a half years shooting video, switched to podcasting, and that's when it really, really got interesting. Would you do it again if you uh, had to start it Um, all, you know, knowing now? Absolutely. I love it to this day. This is one of my favorite places on earth here in this little booth, looking at the cameras and talking into this microphone. I love it. The second it stops being fun, I'll probably stop, but I can't ever see that happening. You use the phrase in your intro. I am, uh, I am a nerd. I love technology. I love messing around with apps and mixers and monitors and cameras and stuff. Um, I'll never ever get tired of that. I don't think it's a bit of an obsession. And this is something that enables me to sort of fuse that with being (laughs) genuinely useful and not just being a burden to society. So um, hopefully it's a a good mix of things which I'll uh, keep doing uh, forever. Yeah. Uh, Do do you think then that somebody needs to have that sort of that combination of passion between their skill set and creating this kind of thing? Or do you think that the passion for the creation can come afterwards because so many people get intimidated and fearful of creating this content, being on videos. I, for one, have had that genuine fear of being on camera. I don't, I don't think it's um, insurmountable, any of those fears. And, and one of the key fears is technology, right? You know, if you're not naturally wired that way, that can be, feel like a real barrier. But of course, it's easier than ever. We've got amazing video cameras in our pocket, all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, we need to learn not to be, uh, intimidated by that stuff and understand that there is 
all the tuitions online you could possibly ever need to learn. Yeah. So if you want to do it well enough, you can learn. Um, seeing yourself on camera, hearing yourself on audio can sometimes take a bit of getting over, but you just need to accept that probably your first few will be pretty rubbish. You should see my first video. It is shocking. You know, the camera's wobbly. The wind noise is atrocious. It's in 720 point high definition as opposed to 4k that we've got these days. And it's just, but it doesn't matter. You get better and you show up week after week and month after month and you keep getting better. And that really is half the battle. Absolutely. And, and, I, I can attest to that as well. Even just some of the, even the recent ones, like the, the improvements that you can make, I, I can look back on some of them and just be like, Oh my God, I'm actually still putting that out there. But <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's just small steps, get a little bit better every day. Definitely. And actually it's worth looking back and, and actually comparing and going, Oh, that's where I was, but now this is where I am. And you know, you, you can see that progress. And uh, in terms of an actual sort of business asset that it's it's become for you and the actual business side of things do you, do you want to sort of talk to yeah. what that has done for you <laughs> yeah because meaningful money is a hobby it's a sideline it's become a beast but it is a sideline so where i'm standing here these this is the offices of jackson's wealth management of which i'm a co-owner and managing director so we're a, a sort of archetypal financial advice firm here in penzance Jackson's has been in town in some form since 1923. So it's very much part of the fabric down here. Um, but we're, you know, we're just a classic IFA practice. We look after our clients well, and we, you know, we've got many clients where we look after three or even four generations of the family. But Meaningful Money was a sideline. It was just a bit of fun. And I had genuinely no idea that it would lead to what it has done. And what it has done, it, it took 18 months of shooting videos, nearly three videos a week on average, to have my first ever client get in touch. And I'll tell you that story in a minute. But what that kind of opened the floodgates because that made me realize that actually, you know, that there is power here to get prospects over the first hurdle and particularly with finance, right? I mean, this is a high risk, high trust business. Any business relationship it is, is. But if somebody's going to give me a quarter million quid of their hard earned savings to look after, that's a serious trust hurdle to get over. And what I found, again, more by accident than by design, was that putting yourself out online consistently and being honest with how you feel and how you believe things should be done really resonates. And incredibly, people's ability to discern whether or not you are trustworthy is really powerful online. And that first client, which was sort of summer of 2011. So I really sort of started in earnest. I launched the website in April, 2010. All right. So it was August, September, 2011, when this first client got in touch and he had narrowly avoided being ripped off by an unscrupulous financial advisor. All right. I mean, to the tune of tens of thousands of pounds. And he was a little bit down about it. And he turned to Google to see if he could do it himself. All right, so if he could invest himself, he'd had an inheritance and all that sort of stuff. And he found me by hook or by crook. He found me and he sent me this email with details of his finances in. Don't ever do that, folks. It's a really bad <laughs> idea, right? But he sent me this email with details of his finances. And at the end of it, he just said, Pete, having watched several of your videos now, we feel like we know you and can trust you. Will you work with us? Now that folks is what we call in the trade a buying signal, right? So, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. And I nearly fell off my chair. I just thought this guy is in Bexhill on sea, still a client now, 350 miles away from Penzance. And yet he wants to work with me. 
And so we made it work, you know, and I didn't meet him for the first three years of the relationship because it was all done via Skype and Zoom calls. And that just began a process of more and more people getting in touch. But for me, it really went nuts when the podcast began. And even then, it's a slow snowball. It has been for me. But now we're at the point where it's anywhere from six to 10 new inquiries a month. Bear in mind, the average IFA firm, probably this size, maybe picks up 15 new clients a year, right? So I'm at least a factor of five above that. And I can't cope with them all because we have criteria about the clients that we take on. But actually, the inquiries are generally very high quality. Uh, 45% of all new inquiries now come from meaningful money. The others are pretty much all from referrals, which is another sign of a healthy business. And uh, we've doubled our turnover in five years, nice and organically and gently and uh, in a way that we can cope with, right? Because I have no, no designs on uh, sort of taking over the world. I just uh, want a nice lifestyle business and we've been able to do that. But it's great. It's, uh, I, but again, I, sometimes I look back at it and I'm just kind of bemused by it. But I spent a lot of time trying to reverse engineer it. How did it happen? <laughs> so that I can talk about it and help others, you know? Yeah, so on that, uh, sort of looking at that as a, as a reverse engineering of it, comparing what it was like at the beginning when you started it almost as a hobby, what do you do now that's different to back then? And how, have, how has that sort of helped in this process and, and catapulted it sort of to where you are? Yeah, good question. The, uh, the, the, the main word I think I can probably put to it is that I'm far more intentional about it now. So whereas in the beginning, because it was a hobby, there was no expectations uh, by me or by anybody else on myself that I could throw up videos as often or as often as I wanted. So if I had a couple of weeks all day, that's fine. Now I have a schedule, you know, publishing schedule that I stick to uh, almost without fail. I do occasionally miss a Friday video, but um, so I still don't beat myself up over it, but I want to maintain that schedule. And having the schedule creates discipline in me and means I know I've got to get certain stuff done by when. Now I've got somebody working with me with social messaging and stuff like that. I have to be ahead so that he can then build all that stuff and schedule it in. So um, I suppose it's a little bit more refined now. It's certainly more um, scheduled and intentional in terms of what I do when. And it feels now like it has a purpose other than just a bit of fun. Um, so as well as obviously driving business to Jackson's, my IFA practice, uh, it is a business in its own right. Um, I've, got some courses and I'm about to launch an academy in a couple of weeks. And uh, so it's becoming a business in its own right. And that obviously requires a little bit more discipline and focus <laughs> than uh, just a hobby. Well, what's, what's fascinating about it is that it, what started off as a, as a hobby and a joy. And, and I think that sometimes that's where it comes from. It's, it's, it's a sense of, you know, that almost childish curiosity and that playfulness that you start something with. And that's what, get, you know, that's what gets you going in the beginning, that kind of, this is fun. I'm just going to keep doing it. And, yeah. It, going in with no expectation, you're only going to be surprised because you're already getting what you want, which is the enjoyment. Mm. And I sort of look at it and go, right, if somebody's listening to this and thinking, right, okay, yeah, that's all very nice, but now I can see Pete's done it and I want to get what Pete's got. But I don't have time because I have to figure out how to market my business. I have mm. to figure out the best way of attracting, catching clients. And I need it yesterday because my pipeline's low and all the rest of it i mean what would you say to someone like that that would look at what you're doing and maybe what would you suggest to them that they could use in terms of a little bit of what you've got that would help them in that regard sure i mean 
there is no magic bullet. Magic bullet? So mixed metaphor, silver bullet, magic, whatever. Right? You know, there is no, no quick fix here. And content marketing can be a slow burn. And usually is, particularly if it's done right. I think if you just try and blitz it and try and somehow game the system, then that will probably backfire. So what would I take from what I'm doing that anybody can apply immediately? The answer is to answer people's questions. So... You know, when we search for stuff online, we generally frame it into in terms of a question: How do I? Uh, what does X mean? Um, why would I? Why open a pension? How do I open a pension? Do I need life insurance? So these are the sorts of questions that people are searching for. Um, and whatever your field is, I would put good money that if you've been in your field any length of time at all, you will be able to rattle off a list of those questions that people ask you all day every day mm. right um there is a great book called they ask you answer by marcus sheridan the marcus sheridan's another sort of marketing genius uh he bought into a swimming pool company in 2008 when everybody stopped buying swimming pools because of the great recession and he this was basically a strategy so in his case sorry i got siri talking to me that's something annoying um <laughs> You know, in his case, he was, uh, people were asking, why have a carbon fiber pool, not a concrete one? Y you know, what's the right kind of pool for San Francisco? Or, or, you know, all sorts of questions. And he began just writing the answers to those questions in blog posts. And inevitably, they showed up. So, you know, you can do that and have that stuff on your site. And then, um, uh, you know, maybe combine that with some more traditional forms of marketing to drive business to your website. You can maybe, you know, get some uh, paid traffic to your site or whatever. But if those answers are there when people show up, mm. that's an immediate way to win people, I think. It's like, oh, okay, well, this guy's just answered my key question on his website. Where else am I going to go? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up the phone for him. And mm. so that is probably the immediate actionable thing. Answer people's questions in whatever form, whether it's podcasts, written really helps obviously for SEO and, uh, and go from there and just keep doing it. All right. Cause there will always be new questions. People ask me all the time when you don't run out of stuff to say, so I usually just laugh like, yeah, right. When hell freezes over, will I run out of stuff to talk about, about money? Yeah. When we go back to trading, not a, not a currency back system. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Um, and how long, would you say, I mean, you still work with clients now. Yes. And you still work one-on-one. -on -one. Yes. And you're still doing all this and you're still marketing your business. business and yep. running it and all the rest of it. How long would you say that you sort of spend on marketing a, a week, a month? Okay. Um, up until November last year, 2018, um, I was doing me and for money entirely evenings and weekends off my own volition. All right. Because I'm fairly convinced that it is going to be a very powerful brand for me going forward, right? So I'm under no illusion that I'm doing it for my own benefit, as well as the altruistic mm. reasons that I sort of set it up. Um, now, Jackson's will also be mine eventually, because I'm uh, some 15 years younger than my colleagues. So I will end up buying them out and it will also be mine. So it's a marketing vehicle. So I am happy to spend evenings and weekends. However, now I dedicate a day a week to do it. Right, so my colleagues and I came to an agreement. They could see the benefit of meaningful money, and even though part of that benefit comes to me individually and not just Jackson's as a company, Jackson's has clearly benefited. So now Friday uh, is meaningful money day. That's why we're having this conversation today because it helps me be really focused on the other stuff uh, Monday to Thursday. 
and it means that Friday, it's like my weekend starting early, man. I come in and I play with my toys and I write and I record and, and all that sort of stuff on a Friday. And it's the, just the best day of the week. I love it. But a key thing for me, because yeah, people say, oh, you know, you're the busiest man in finance. I just, I don't buy that. I don't think I'm any, really any busier than anybody else. I'm just, I've got a lot better at managing my time. And so I uh, bought into an idea that has, I think, been made popular by a guy called Michael Hyatt, who is a blogger, a leadership and personal productivity blogger primarily. And he has this concept called the ideal week, and it's simply mapping it out and blocking time. So I just, you know, I only see clients uh, from 10 till 4 and only on Tuesday and Wednesday and then Thursday morning, 10 till 1. Um, the rest of the time it's admin time. I have various standing meetings with my staff where I know we'll deal with that then. And so I don't have to think about it in the meantime. I only check email twice a day, this sort of stuff, just to try to be really focused with my time because th there is a finite amount of it. <laughs> so, you know, I need all the other stuff I've got to do. I've got to get done Monday to Thursday. Mm -hmm. I'm really going to be focused on me for money and vice versa. So that's working really, really well for me, actually. And it's been a key part of uh, making it work. And it makes sense as well because you're not flipping between sort of, you know, financial head, marketing head, financial, you know, and, yeah. and trying to sort of sneak bits in and all the rest of it because it does require the focus for what you do to get your clients' results, but also, right, I need some real yeah. thinking time and I need, I need to be focused. And I love the whole time batching thing. That's what I do. I segment my calendar and, 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 and one of my mentors said to me once, it's like, well, show me your priorities mm. and I will see exactly whether they match up by looking at your calendar and your bank account. Yeah, true that. Yeah. It's you, the focus thing is right. The whole dedicating a day a week thing came out of, um, I'm, I'm very blessed with my two colleagues here. Okay. They're both my best friends and we're very good. Um, we complement each other very well. So Chaz, who is an unbelievable judge of character, probably the best judge of character I've ever come across, and has a real knack of absolutely getting to the point of the issue that just needs to be dealt with and not sort of fluffing around the side. Um, it came about because I had, we had talked about taking on a new member of staff. Now, I knew this girl, so I knew she'd be perfect, but obviously they wanted to meet her. And uh, so we had Zoe in, I met her, my practice manager met her, and Roger met her, but Chaz, the third director, didn't. And so he put his head around the door and said, have we offered Zoe a job? And I'm like, yeah, we talked about it. And he said, I would have liked to have met her first. And I was like, God, yeah, of course you would. What a stupid thing to do to have offered this girl a job without running it past my business partner. Um, and he said, can we grab a coffee? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, what's he going to say? And he just took me out of coffee and he said, Pete, you know, I see that you are not as focused as you could be here's what I think the answer is. And he just nailed it. And since then, it's been absolutely transfer transformational. So that compartmentalizing, that sort of scheduling the right thing at the right time is just such an important business skill, I think. And it becomes less intimidating to do and it means it gets mm -hmm. done. Yeah, which for is, sure. Which is fantastic. So Pete, um, what I want to do is, is um, we're going to have a quick break. Um, but then when we come back, I want to just start to ask you about Maybe a couple of things like what the similarities between financial planning and, and marketing your business has been. Um, and also just sort of get an idea of some of the actual tools and things that you use and where yeah. you've learned this stuff. So um, we're just going to go and take a quick break and we'll be back soon. Hey, this is Adam and I just want to say thanks for listening and I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Client Catching Podcast. Now, as the entire goal of this is to help you learn how to attract and catch more clients. 
I've put together a page as a special thank you for being a listener to the show. On this page, you're going to find a ton of resources from some of my best trainings that I've put out there. Uh, you'll be able to get a copy of my book, How to Employ a Half a Million Pound a Year Marketing Department Without Hiring a Single Full-Time Member of Staff. You'll be able to see how to join the uh, Catching Clients Facebook community. And you'll also be able to register onto my masterclass, Less Selling More Clients. Now, on this masterclass, you will learn how to build your very own client catching ecosystem. And that's an ecosystem that removes you from up to 90% of your marketing and sales process, instantly boosts your authority, while at the same time increases the quality of leads, appointments and clients that you attract and catch. And that's all without spending a penny on advertising and adding more hours to your week. So if you want to go and see what's on that page, you can go to www.thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. So thanks again for listening. And now let's get back to the show. So Pete, I want to ask you about um, what you see as similarities between the way that you would run a client's wealth portfolio, for example. And do you see any similarities between how you would go about marketing your business uh-huh. have you have you got any sort of thoughts on that because i think there's there's a lot but I, i'd like to hear your thoughts i'm sure you're right i would like to hear yours as well so uh, if anybody asks me what i do i always say i'm a financial planner um usually because people don't really know what that is and so it leads to an interesting conversation um and it means they don't back away in fear in case i sell them an endowment or something right so financial planning uh is really not about financial products it isn't about selling pensions and ices and all that sort of stuff it is about establishing a picture of where clients are now. That's the sort of first part. Then working with them to help them uh, establish and vocalize what their goals are, right? Because life is the thing that matters, not money. But very often money is the thing holding them back or uh, a sort of poor understanding of how their money will enable them to meet their goals. So we help them vocalize those goals. Then we look at their finances and say, is there anything we need to do to accelerate or optimize your likelihood of meeting those goals? And then we work with them to keep them on track because very often it requires maybe saving a bit more, adjusting their investment mix or whatever. And then working with them and then celebrating with them when of course they do decide to retire. That's usually the goal that people are after, right? Um, And so it's very much a planning and collaborative process with an aspect of um, accountability um, with the advisors for us to keep them on track, to do what they need to do to meet their goals when they say they want to meet them. There's obviously a lot more to it than that. You know, we work with widows who've lost their partner and that always a big job to sort out very often and uh, all kinds of things. So it's a very varied job, but it's a people business primarily, but it's planning and then walking through the process to meet the plans. So marketing and running a business is very, very similar, really. You fail the plan, you plan to fail. Got to love those marketing cliches, those business cliches, <laughs> right? But it's, isn't it true, right? So, I mean, I have for a long time with Meaningful Money just put the content out and that's been all the energy I had. I'll create a podcast, put it up, and it releases on a Wednesday and I'm just like, right, now the next one, right? And that's fine but never really had the energy to plan the trajectory for it. Where would I like to be in a year's time? And how am I going to get there? Now, I now have um, a gentleman called Kawayan. He's a Bulgarian guy who lives in Brussels. And what a talent he is. And he's helped me 
just like I do with my clients. He's helped me to vocalize what I want to achieve in the whole project and come up with strategies for getting there. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a direct comparison. So it's about working. I, I think unless you have these skills yourself, or even if you do, I think there's real merit in bringing somebody else in to help you. So even, you know, even if you are a marketer, surrounding yourself either directly by employing people or even in just a sort of collaborative mastermind type arrangement, if you can get input from others to help you uh, nail your trajectory and come up with a plan for sticking to it, and then to keep you on track, that's, I mean, that's just golden and it, you're far more likely to, to achieve your goals. So for me, having Cal help me with that stuff has been amazing. I'm in a mastermind, uh, member of a couple of online communities as well, where you can ask these kinds of questions and get answers from people who've already done it. Um, yeah. These are the obvious comparisons, I think, with what mm. I do for clients with their money. Yeah. And, and I love the, uh, the example of the mastermind and, and getting the, the outside perspective because um, I've actually just, I don't know whether it will be released before or after this one yet, but I was at a mastermind on, on Saturday and I've just done an entire sort of episode about the value of it. Um, I even got people from the mastermind and from the company behind it. It was run by Chris Ducker. If you ah, know. Youpreneur. Yeah, I missed that yeah. one. I'll, are you going in November? Yes, I am. I'll see you then. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that, that that's an example of the power of a mastermind. And yeah, you know, I've, I've sort of given examples and, and you know, I'm not going to um, <laughs> hijack this one with that one, but I, I, you know, I've literally just sort of finished it and got people right. from there. And the power in that is, is amazing because it is, it's that outside perspective. Sometimes mm -hmm. I, I sort of liken the two. So marketing and, and financial planning, really, if you're a professional in either, your primary goal is to pretty much save your clients from themselves at times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, from making the obvious mistakes and not, you know, that from taking them away from that tunnel vision and actually saying, hang on, let's look at the overall sort of picture of, of what it is that you are trying to achieve. Mm. And let's come up with a way of getting there. Now, you know, what you've done is, a, is an example of someone that, let's say they are a younger person, they're sort of late 20s, maybe um, early 30s, and they've got maybe time to sort of invest longer term. They don't have to take as much risk. Um, you know, that's a longer term, but that's building a longer term asset. That's not to say you couldn't do that at 45 or 50 or anything like that. And I'm not, I'm not a financial planner, so this is where my uh, um, <laughs> you know, things in between go a bit wrong. But it's about, and I, I, I heard something that you said on one of your podcasts recently, and it's the way that you, you, you describe how you um, manage your wealth by compartmentalizing things. Yeah. And it's very much the same with the way that you approach marketing your business. You need to be able to compartmentalize, and I can't even say that word properly, but <laughs> Not an easy word. Yeah. The, the different tactics or whatever that is that you use, but it still needs to follow a strategy. Yeah. With a goal so, in mind. Very much so. And we would do that with people's finances. You know, we, very often people say, well, this is the pot for my grandkids or this is my retirement pot. This is my more short term, uh, you know, pay for the big holiday in five years time or my daughter's wedding fund or whatever. And people naturally compartmentalize things. And once you've established what the goal is for that particular compartment, then you can execute accordingly. And that's the same. So if it is increasing podcast downloads, if it's building an Instagram account, uh, if it is, you know, where it actually really matters, inquiries and conversion of those inquiries into clients and paying clients and all that sort of stuff, mm. then you can strategize accordingly. Um, one of the, you, I'm really glad you mentioned 
uh, saving people from themselves. I saw a great little tweet uh, by a good friend of mine, Andy Hart, who uh, runs another brilliant podcast called uh, Maven Money. And he said, financial advisors kind of go through a path, right? That certainly the elite ones do. So they start understanding how finance works, the basics of the profession, if you like, and the mm -hmm. system, the personal finance system. Then they think that they can manage money. So they learn everything they can about actual investment management, right? And then the good ones realize that actually you can unlearn a load of that because you can, markets will just do it for you. You're not really all that. Then the best ones get into financial planning where it really is about all the stuff we've talked about. But there's another step beyond that. And the real elite financial planners are behavioral coaches primarily because finance is a system which can be understood actually. It's a lot simpler than, thinks, than we think it is. The, the industry likes to make it more complicated for self-serving reasons, but by far the biggest determinant of your financial success is your behavior towards money. So if you spend more than you earn, financial failure awaits. If you sell out of your investments when markets are down because you panic, then you're making a loss and that's your fault, not the market's fault, right? So it's behavior that will determine the success or otherwise of your finances. And it's likewise the same with pretty much every endeavor that we get involved with as humans, marketing being one of them. We can lay all the plans we want, but those plans will be tested at various points and will you know, doubt our faith in whatever we've set, but we've got to stay put and we've got to see it through. And very often, um, the answer is just to keep your head down and execute on the plan, not to second guess as you go through, you know, review by all means, but don't constantly be darting around looking for the shortcut, but just execute on the long-term plan. Um, it works for finance and I'm certain it works for marketing as well. Yeah, because you could be three inches from the gold and give up. Yeah. And I think the value of a planner is, you know, the value of, you know, getting any kind of um, marketing or business coach or anything like that is, is they've been in the situation. They've seen it. They've, you know, the site, you know, everything's cyclical, the yeah. bubbles inflate and they burst. Yeah. And unless you've been through that or have someone on your side, whether it's with your finances or, you know, as a mentor or somebody in your mastermind or anything like that, and they can say, look, hang on. Don't make any rash decisions because that will be wrong. Mm. I've seen this before. Maybe adjust your sales ever so slightly, mm. but keep, you know, carry on. Sometimes the answer to a lot of problems in business and life is just perseverance. Yeah. You know, it's not the insanity thing and doing the same thing, but it's like, no, we've worked this plan. We've got it to this point, but the only way that it's actually going to, you know, you're going to see the full, fruits of your labor is, is by persevering because there are going to be dips. Yeah, that dead right. And sort of masterminding and having mentors and stuff it really helps with that. Obviously it helps with um, guidance, what you should do and when. And the great thing now is that there's, that's never been easier and it comes at different levels. So you get the sort of virtual mentors, people you've never met, people for me like Gary Vee and Michael Hyatt and Pat Flynn. These are guys are mega stars of marketing. So you learn from them and then you've got things like Youpreneur, Chris Ducker I have met, although he's in the same sort of stratosphere as those guys. Um, and the Youpreneur is a, a big organization, obviously a massive online community as well as the in-person events. And then, I mean, I'm in a, 
mastermind group with three other people, two are in Scotland and one's in London, you know, and we meet every other Monday morning via a Zoom call. And so it's easier than ever to put around you great people. And it's not just the guidance, not just the what you should do by when, but also the inspiration. I think we all sometimes need it, no matter how self-motivated we are, there are always gaps and always times dips, I think you call them, which is a mm-hmm. golden thing. And for me, 2017 was a dip in terms of um, podcast numbers. It didn't seem to be growing for that whole year. I had a really good start to the year. Um, and then it just seemed to just slightly decline. And I wasn't used to that, right? Um, persevered. Um, and then 2018, it just went nuts. Mm-hmm. I, I really wasn't doing anything different. It's just suddenly somebody turned on a switch. Um, and it went nuts. But had I not had that input from those different sort of strata of um, mentorship, both virtual and in person, mm-hmm. um, I might have bailed, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really important to have that stuff and surround yourself by good people. Yeah, it's having someone that sort of, you know, helped you form the plan. And then sometimes it's right, right, you just need to get over the tipping point. Yours yeah. was 2018 and everything sort of happened. Um, you mentioned a few names there and, and I'm interested to know because you're self-taught in a lot of this. Yeah. Very um, much. apart from Gary V and, and a couple of the names, is there anyone else that you've, um, worked with or followed or used any of their stuff that's helped you create what you've got? Yes. So, I mean, practically in terms of podcasting and stuff, Pat Flynn was a big, uh, big influence right at the start. And also Cliff Ravenscraft, who's uh, known as the podcast answer man. I uh, took some of his courses early on and my setup basically reflects his a slightly different microphone. Um, closer to home, there's a guy called Chris Marr, who I'm actually in a mastermind with. Um, I think he has a deeper insight into what it means to market in the late 20 teens possibly than anybody I've ever met. I think he really gets it. I don't think he knows how good he is. So he um, runs an outfit called the Content Marketing Academy. Um, and it's, a, again, an online community, which I'm a proud member of. And it's, it's a real, it's much smaller than Newpreneur, um, but, uh, but a really warm uh, community, a real sort of, uh, sort of atmosphere of mutual care and help. But I think Chris is outstanding. I'm very privileged to, to call him a friend and to be in a mastermind with him. So he's one of the guys I meet with every two weeks. Um, so that's great from a finance point of view. I think it's important to have people in your industry as well. So Andy Hart that I mentioned is a, is a, a great guy from that point of view. Um, a couple of others I can mention, but won't necessarily sort of mean anything to your, uh, to your audience, but you know, people, whatever you're looking to do, you find the best people and approach them. What amazes me in, in this, you know, when I was growing up, yeah, I was a massive fan of, a, and I still am a massive fan of a band called Rush, right? And, you know, I might have been able to write to them as a teenager and almost certainly wouldn't have got a response because they're a Canadian prog rock trio, right? These days, these guys are on Twitter. You know what I mean? And you can yeah. shout out these people and get a response. I mean, Gary Vee is a god to me. And yeah, I've had a couple of Twitter conversations with him over the years. And I think the accessibility of these people is like nothing else. Mm. Uh, it's like it's never been before. And we just got to take advantage, man. Mm. Yeah, no, and it's, it's one of those funny ones. Maybe you've had it as well. Like, because of all the stuff that you've got out, have you had people that have sort of like met you and gone, oh my God, like, I can't believe, like, and yeah, it's terrifying. Pictures, pictures <laughs> with you, selfies, all that kind of thing. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm extremely bemused and extremely uncomfortable with any kind of celebrity set. I'm a status. I'm a very, very small deal in a very big internet, right? But we had um, myself and my friend Damien Fay, who's another finance podcaster, who runs a brilliant podcast called Money to the Masses. He's uh, become a good mate of mine. Um, 
I was up in London for, it was Upreneur actually, last November, right. which is a Saturday and Sunday conference. And on the Friday night, myself and Damien said, look, why don't we hold the meetup? So we just said, Damien and I will be in such and such a pub in the city, seven o'clock on the Friday night. And we had 75 people come through. And I was signing books and I'm like, this is so, so weird. Um, but it was amazing. What a fantastic mm-hmm. feeling. And it was just, I mean, you know, I didn't buy a drink all night. People were very, very kind. And uh, man, I was not on the best form for the first day of Youpreneur, shall we say, because it was a long night. But it was um, just brilliant. I, I'm not comfortable with any kind of celebrity status, but you know, what? I love it because I get emails every day mm-hmm. from people saying, look, I've been listening to you for six months. Uh, I had 25 grand with a credit card debt and I've cleared it today and it's thanks to the tools you've given um you know 18 months ago i was i had nothing and was deep in debt i've now got six months emergency fund and i've just opened my first isa for my kids i just think that i mean that is why i do it ultimately the marketing thing is an extremely useful sideline which makes me money which i'm grateful Mm -hmm. for i am convinced call it god karma the universe or whatever i'm convinced that if your motivation is to serve to help people online with your content then the universe will look after you might take a little while but i'm convinced it works uh, because i've seen it in not just my own experience but in many other people's yeah it's like the it's like the ripples in a pond when you throw in a stone it will reach out and reach out because there is only one of you there's only so many clients that you can help so by creating the kind of content that you create people out there they can they can watch it they can learn from it and you know if they're not in a position to work with you directly there's still that option mm. of serving yeah which is the whole point and was the original starting point if you remember it was just mm. i want to help more people than i can mm. help one on one and look i happen to live in a time when there is a mechanism to be able to do that quickly and easily and for free ostensibly so yeah i feel very privileged to have just started when i did because there's no mm. doubt you know, some of the success that I've uh, been privileged to enjoy is just from getting started when I did, you know, there was very few podcasters in the UK when I did, but it's also sticking at it. for a Yeah, long time. <laughs> absolutely. And, and that's what I find that, you know, the most impressive thing is, is, is the amount, but it's clear that there's been the consistency. And that's what I find a lot of people that are running a business or, uh, you know, on their own, anything to do with marketing is the inconsistency because they haven't got, they don't know what to do. They'll get distracted by a shiny object and all the rest of it. And they'll never finish one thing or they won't focus on one thing, right? This is where I'm putting in my efforts. This is exactly what I know I've got to do week in, week out to market my business. And I know that if I carry on with this activity, the machine or the system or the strategy behind it is going to, on average, churn me out X number of inquiries and clients. And I'm sure that's, an example of what you've seen. And let me ask you, when was the last time you had to sell a thing when it came to your practice? <laughs> never. I do, not never, but you know, whenever anybody gets in touch, most advisors work the same way. Certainly financial planners, the initial conversation will be at my expense. And it's very much a, how can I add value to you, Mr. Prospect? Tell me about yourself in half an hour, 40 minutes. So I can say, look, actually, all you need to do is do this. Just go do it. You don't need to pay me, right? You know, I've, this, I've got on a podcast episode here. Go watch that or mm. listen to it and, and just do it. Usually, though, they only come to me when they're ready. Um, and so there is no closing needed, uh, even though they might not know what I'm going to charge them. Um, they've sought me out. My biggest issue 
is capacity, <laughs> which is a really nice problem to have. So increasingly, I'm working with, a, with a, another very qualified, very competent advisor, uh, my colleague here, Mark. And so we will have the initial conversation with the client together. So he's in it from day one. He's meeting the client from day one, but I'm winning them. But mm. it's effortless. It's, it's almost bizarre. I remember you're know, going back to the time when I started in this industry when it was almost cold calling. Yeah. Um, this is way better. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's a big thing that if anyone out there is sort of listening to this and thinking, wow, that sounds amazing because they have this fear of selling because they're, you know, they, they have a skill or a, a, a vocation or a, an expertise. Yeah. And then suddenly you've got to learn how to sell. That's, that's half the problem. Yeah, you real. think you have to learn how to sell. Well, no, you have to know how to serve, add value and actually genuinely care and want to have a conversation with someone about whether or not you can help. And what you've done and what is it's a great example of, it kind of takes away all of that toing and froing. Well, this is what I do and this is my brochure and this is my rate sheet and blah, blah, blah. I bet you haven't had to haggle on price for a long no, time. No, not for a very long time. You know, Which is and you could probably raise them and, and, and no one would leave. And it's an example of the, the power of the, um, you know, uh, uh, of the authority that you've built, the business asset that you've created. And I think it's a fantastic, fantastic example of what somebody can do when they just roll up their sleeves, put their mind to it yeah. and just try it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm get grateful to. As they go. And I, uh, you know, as I said at the beginning, I've seen your stuff, like the, the other stuff that you've got going behind the scenes from a, a marketing geeky expert sort of view. You know, go and, go and have a look at what Pete does. Opt into some of his stuff and you will see the, the systemization of, of how he actually builds a relationship virtually. It's, yeah. it's very, very impressive. And, and Pete, I, I just want to, yeah, I just want to say thanks for coming on. It, it's been a real pleasure. Mate, I've loved it. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for your kind words. I, I want to really reinforce that uh, literally anybody can do this. All the information you need is out there. Um, please, if anybody's got any questions, just get in touch, uh, you know, via this, you know, show notes or whatever, or just yeah. send me an email. And um, I'm more than happy to answer questions. And because if I can do it, anybody can. Yes, I'm a nerd. So I have a sort of predilection to enjoy technology, but that really doesn't matter. Um, I am. Well, let's a, be honest. Who doesn't now? Because they're well, exactly. walking around with their phone. You know, it's. But I am a rampant introvert, so this has really helped me with that. Sales does not come naturally, but serving people really does. And mm. you're dead right. The one leads to the other, like night follows day. Absolutely. So if if people wanted to check you out, it's meaningfulmoney.tv. Is that that's the uh, the website? Yeah. Really wish I bought the dot com. <laughs> Yes, meaningfulmoney.tv. New site going live, actually, within a couple of weeks from us recording this. So I'm not sure whether it'll be pre or post release, Adam, but um, that'll be going live. So I'm excited for that. It'll be a lot quicker, a lot easier for people to find stuff. There's a lot of content. My poor web designer had to uh, rehash 750 pieces of content. <laughs> and if they were interested in having you as a financial planner, now you've just doubled your rates on this podcast. Uh... <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So, well, there is a button on, uh, on the meaningfulmoney.tv uh, website called work with Pete. Um, my goal is to give people the tools to be able to advise themselves and not to need people like me until they get near retirement. But yeah, if you, any questions or any, on any of that stuff, I have a Facebook group too, which is meaningfulmoney.tv slash community. Just ask to join. We ask you a couple of questions to join just to keep out of the spammers. But um, yeah, so any questions, that's a great place to ask them. But meaningfulmoney.tv, you find everything there. Fantastic. Well, Pete, 
thank you very much for joining us. Um, please, everyone listening, go and check out what Pete does. Um, so valuable, entertaining, and it's just a great example of what you can do um, with, with your own client-catching ecosystem, and that's ultimately what he's done. Um, so, Pete, I just want to say again, a massive thank you, and um, I just wish you a happy fishing. Thank you, mate. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please help spread the word by telling a friend or simply subscribing and leaving an honest rating and review. It not only helps the show, but it also helps other business owners find the podcast so they too can start to catch more clients. So thanks for listening and see you next time.